listening to The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. When I heard that Anne Woodcock was passing through Brisbane, I was eager to meet up for a chat. Anne has co-authored a number of Bible studies and evangelistic resources with her husband, and now works as a staff editor at the Good Book Company based in the UK. We met up in an office tower in the heart of Brisbane City, in one of the very comfortable lounge areas belonging to Anne Street Presbyterian Church. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. So welcome Anne to the Lydia Project. It's great to have our first international guest on the Lydia Project. So Anne, what brings you to Brisbane? My husband used to work in Australia with um, a minister at Anne Street Presbyterian Church. Um, That was in Hobart, Tasmania back in the 90s. And um, they've had a very close collaboration over many years. And um, in the time that we were in Tasmania, God really, really blessed the work. Um, many people became Christians. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, happened was they started a mid-year conference for the students. Yep. And this year is the 21st anniversary. So those students who are now in ministry themselves invited Pete, my husband, back to that mid-year conference and um, of course um, because we know so many people over here um, I've come along for the trip and I'm doing a few things myself. And so how'd the conference go in Tasmania? Um, Yeah it was was good, Um, uh, Pete did the whole of the Ten Commandments and then uh, the students also went through the whole of the Sermon on the Mount as well, they did all of that in four days Uh, but we still got had time to get out and enjoy some of the sights of Launceston. Yeah. We're in Launceston. Yeah. Um, it was lovely meeting old friends and then also uh, new students. Yeah. Um, some of whom are, are the children of of the people that we we know from our time in Australia. So, oh wow. Yeah. So that's, that's that quite interesting. That is quite amazing. Yeah. Not just children. They're adult children yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. Wow. Just starting out at uni. Probably. And you've got children yourself. Uh, yes, we've got two children. Yep. Um, I have a daughter who uh, came with us to Tasmania, yep. uh, so she has some memories of being in Australia. Um, she was seven when we left, yep. and she's now married, and um, they're very active in our church. Yep. Um, they both work as youth leaders. Yep. And then our son, who we adopted after we returned to the UK, mm-hmm. um, he's now 18. He's at home alone for the first time. <laughs> but I've got all sorts of um, people looking out for him. And Cameras. <laughs> well, nearly. <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, so it'd be really interesting to see what state the house is in when we get back. I'm sure it'll be fine. And I was, we were just chatting before, and I said the sum total of my research on you was to print out a one-page um, <laughs> bio from the Good Book Company. Yep. So. Um, Tell me about writing books. Was that something that you always wanted to do or in sort of a dream to be an author or did, did you more fall into it because there was a need for these books to be written that you've written? Um, well, uh, no, it was accidental really in some ways. Um, we had this material. So, so most of those um, books on that website page yep. are um, collaboration with Pete and myself. Yep. So we, we knew... Uh, the director of the Good Book Company mm-hmm. and so we had quite a, a close relationship with him so they were the first people to go to when Pete felt that some of our material you know he, he just offered it to them really yep. would, would you be interested in publishing this yeah so w- one of those things is an evangelistic uh, course through Romans and that's what we did in Tasmania in the mid 
90s. Mm -hmm. um, and that is both evangelistic and also foundational for Christians. Mm -hmm. uh, we used it all the time. For about two years, we did those courses back to back yep. in our house. And people would come to them and then they would bring a friend to them and they would often do it two or three times and then they might sort of learn to do it themselves with, with friends. And because these were people that came from a non-church background, uh, they had a large pool of, of, of people that they wanted to share yeah. um, the message about Jesus with. So it yeah. really sort of spread like wildfire. And when we got back to Britain, we thought it would be great to have that material available. Yeah for other people. So that was the first one that and we did. And what was that, what's that one called? That's called God and You. And then um, the others, there's three evangelistic co uh, courses which are uh, DVD and question-based, but they are aimed actually at people that really struggle with literacy or who have dropped out of education. Mm -hmm. And they came about as a result of me uh, doing a, a, about two years worth of Bible studies with the cleaner at the Good Book Company, yeah. who was a woman who had really no education, could barely read. Uh, we went through Mark's Gospel in a really simplified version of English. Her husband came along and yeah. joined in. I still don't know if they were, became Christians or not. Sometimes I thought they are, sometimes yeah. I wasn't so sure. Um, they both died now. Yeah. But um, doing that made me realise there's a whole bunch of people that all of our resources are just way too, too high level for mm. Mm. And so Pete and I started on this uh, series of, of courses which the Good Book agreed to do, mm -hmm. which were aimed at, at, at those people, not necessarily, not necessarily unintelligent people, mm. but just people who are not used to sitting down and opening a book, you know, reading a page of TypeScript. Absolutely, and the Bible yeah. itself is... Um it's not a genre we're used to. Like even my book club, we read through the Gospel of Matthew and mm -hmm. none of them were believers, but they read a lot. But when we read the Gospel of Matthew, they were just like, oh, it's just story upon story. There's no kind of, yeah, it was kind of hard for them to get into. Yes, they didn't know how to classify Yeah, it they or, didn't know how yeah. to, yeah, you need help, Respond. I think. Yeah, because yes. yeah. it's not, it's not a text, it's not a, a genre that we often read or it's not written in a style that we're really Yes, familiar with today. And yet, you know, the stories uh, that those courses are all yep. based on either stories of Jesus mm. or stories about Jesus meeting mm. people. Mm. Um, and that actually, they're very direct, and very simple, yeah. and actually very easy to, in some ways, grasp. Yeah. You know, I think when you look um, at them one at a time. Yes. I think sometimes if you read the whole thing yes. through. Yes. It can be a bit much, but so yeah. that's a, a, a yeah. series called Jesus and You. Um, mm. It's part DVD, it's part um, questions. Mm. Uh, and have you done? Have you had an opportunity to use those Bible studies with people? Yes. Who, yes, yes. And actually, they they do also work, although they weren't intended for this, but they do also work with internationals. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah, because we use a simplified. Uh, English yes. translation of the Bible. Yeah, and so there are a lot of international, uh, I was going to say students, but obviously not all students at your church that you are part of now. Um, I wouldn't say so much students. Uh, we're, we're rethinking our relationship with our university. Our church is in a university town. Mm -hmm. It's got well over 20,000 students. Which town is it? It's Kingston-upon-Thames. It's in the southwest of London. It sounds so terribly English. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, as the name suggests, it's on the River Thames. Beautiful. It's right on the edge of London, but yeah. it's, it's a popular area because it's got a lot of um, historic 
uh, palaces and parks in that area. And you live in a um, sprawling mansion on the Thames, is that right? <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> no, we live in the suburb called Chessington, which is right on the very edge of London, therefore about as cheap as you can get in London. Uh, London is now um, more multinational than it is white British. There are 47% of, Lon- 47% of London's population is white British. So the others right. are either um, British of other ethnic minorities or uh, they are migrants. Yes. Immigrants. Yeah. So um, we do have a lot of internationals in our area. Yeah. So recently we did an international evening mm. and um, we just went round and counted up the nationalities there, just asked people where they came from. Mm. And uh, just in that one evening we had 20 nationalities in, yeah. in our building. Yep. So. Um, We are used to um, welcoming internationals Mm. and trying to cater for them, Mm. yeah. And is it an Anglican church that you're with, or...? We belong to um, a network of of churches called um, Commission in London, and that was started Mm -hmm. out of um, an Anglican church in Wimbledon, you know, the place where they play the tennis um, tournament. Jonathan Fletcher? Yes, that's, yes. Uh, so that was Emmanuel Ridgeway. Yes. yes, and his curate, Richard Coken, yes. planted a church uh, that's... Well, see, both of those two men have got links with Sydney. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, that, so Richard Coken planted a church in Rains Park, Dundonald, yeah. and from there, really, this whole uh, church planting network right. came into being. Yeah. Now, when we went back from uh, to the UK from Tasmania, mm-hmm. and Pete had been an AFES worker in mm-hmm. Hobart, yeah. Uh, so he was very keen to get involved with the students at Kingston University, yeah. uh, which he managed to do through a local charity. Um, and he went in to the university and helped the Christian Union. Mm-hmm. At that time, there was no good Bible teaching church in Kingston upon Thames. So Commission and another local church, one that we were attending at that time, jointly planted one, which is how the church that we're now at came into being. Yeah. So our church is actually a very young church. Right. So, yeah. so Pete and I used to be the the oldest generation there. There were yeah. people perhaps just a few years older than us. So we're we're in our fifties. Yep. Yeah. We have now merged with um, a brethren church that had a building, but a very elderly and declining mm-hmm. congregation. Whereas we were a young numerous church but we had no building so it's been wonderful fantastic yeah. marriage yeah um and so and along with the building we've acquired this older generation lovely you know, not many lovely. but we've now got you know people in their 70s and 80s yeah. um, which our young people were really excited about you yeah. know yeah <laughs> which was lovely yeah. yeah and and that's worked really well yeah, yeah. can i ask you about brexit Oh, right. I mean, it's been okay. big news here. <laughs> what are your thoughts, especially from a Christian point of view? What are yes. your thoughts about yeah. it? Well, it's interesting because before Brexit, we actually had a presentation in our church and we had somebody who uh, felt that he would want to vote to remain and we had somebody who felt that he would want to vote to leave and they both presented their point of view. Yeah. But what we really talked about um, at that meeting, and, 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 and it, there was a strong sense of this, I think, in the room, was that whatever happened, God is sovereign. Yeah. Um, and that we just need to continue to be faithful, mm. to trust him, mm. you know, and mm. continue the work of you know, taking the gospel out and, mm. and building the church you know, with his help. That is good to hear, that perspective, because it is easy to get caught up in... Um, the reporting of it, that it's a crisis and financial markets are falling and all of that. But it's so true that God is in control. And this is just, he's allowing this. And 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 also there's 
preaching the gospel is so much more important than yes. whether you're and, in and or out. It can out. happen anyway. Yeah. Yeah, whether we're yeah. in or out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but very different feeling to, to people around us. I think genuinely a lot of people in London were panicking yes. about okay. it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, I just want to ask you a bit more. You mentioned a couple of times The Good Book Company, which mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners will have heard about and bought books uh, from The Good Book Company or that have been published by The Good Book Company. Um, so you're now working as an editor at The Good yeah, Book Company. Yeah, I'm a staff editor, so I, um, I do some editing. Mm-hmm. My, my main... Um, role is to proofread all of the published products. Yeah. Fabulous. And pick up all the mistakes yeah. and make it sound better. Yeah. So you're not the person that sits there and writes those devastating re- rejection letters to people sign <laughs> the editor. <laughs> no, well unfortunately that does have to happen. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of submissions from right. all sorts of people. Yeah. Uh, we're actually... Um, very clearly focused publishing company. Yes. Um, so one of the things that uh, we would look for in a, in a product is that it gets people to actually open their Bibles and read the Bible passage. Yeah. Um, another thing that we would look for is the, the level should be that of a kind of ordinary church member, someone that's willing to read, yeah. uh, but not anyone that needs to have studied um, in a theological college, mm. not that sort of more academic mm. level that you sometimes get in Christian books. Mm. So, so we aim at the ordinary church member. Yeah, That's actually good to know. So if, if you're looking for that kind of book, yes. you can go to the Good Book Company and know that... Yes, ho- hopefully. Yeah. Yes, I, yes, I really do hope so, yeah. that, that people will find that it's accessible. Yeah and that it engages with the Bible or it, mm. it, it, it stimulates the, the reader of the book mm. or, or the participant on the course to actually look at Bible passages. Yeah, so it sounds uh, similar to Matthias Media yeah, yeah, in Australia? Well, yes, I think um, a good book probably started out, I'm, I'm not entirely sure about this, but um, started out at the beginning of 1990s, 1991, and I think one of their main roles anyway was a, a distributor in the UK for... Uh, I think it was St Matthias Saint Matthias Press. Press it was in days, back yes, in the day, and right. it would have only been going for about five years yes, by then. Yes. I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. So it, it basically started in the in um, founders' living room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had one other employee, uh, and they packaged, you know, and sent all these Matthias Media books out. It's uh, gradually grown from that into its own publishing company. Oh, that's funny that you mentioned that because as I was driving here today, I was thinking about you know, being an editor at the Good Book Company, your role, and Matthias Media. And I remember when I was um, at uni, it would have been early 90s, I had to go to the Matthias Media office for some reason, and I'd read books, and I'd subscribe to the briefing, and it's all very professional, and I went to the office through this dingy back door and up a dodgy corridor, yes. <laughs> and it was such a small, yes, badly lit, you know, second-hand furniture kind of place, and it was like... Oh, right, good on them. They're Christians and this isn't important to them. I think their offices are much more enjoyable to work in now. But yeah. That would be the same with a good book company. I mean, the the place where I I first worked with them was positively Dickensian. It really was. (laughs) (laughs) Right up hard against a railway line. And um, every time it rained, buckets out in the warehouse. And again, we've been able to move now to. Much better premises. Yeah, yeah. So you've been in many different kind of places and situations with your husband in ministry, and mm-hmm. obviously been really involved in that ministry, and also done some things yourself, and had a family, and 
how did you kind of navigate all of those kind of decisions about what kind of things to be involved in? Mm. Um, that's a very broad question, but... You're going to expect me to come up with some amazing formula. No, no. <laughs> no good. No, just tell us what was hard and, and what you loved about it, maybe. Um, when um, I first married him, he was already an evangelist. He, so he, the first church that we were at, he was there for 13 years in total as an evangelist. I was involved in youth work. And then because I was teaching English as a foreign or a second language, um, I, I uh, quickly sort of saw the potential for doing ministry with internationals. So I guess those were the two areas that I was involved in. Um, and I was self-employed as a teacher of English. Um, so things just happen, really. This is how I decide. You know, yeah. there's an opportunity, and I think, yeah, that seems to fit what I could do. I've got the time available. It's nothing more, yep. more sort of complicated than that, really. Yep. Uh, there was another English teacher at the church we went back to, and we decided to set up a sort of quite holistic ministry for international women. So we did um, English classes on one day a week. We did a Bible study on mm -hmm. one day a week, and we did a. Uh, a sort of social get-together one day a week and then on the Sunday um, uh, when it came to the talk we, we would take them out into the cafe area mm -hmm. and we would have somebody come and give a, a much simpler talk right. in English language yeah. so that worked really well for quite mm. a few years and that was really totally my focus mm. was that international work mm. now I know you're giving a talk tonight so yes. you've also been involved in giving talks yeah, sporadically. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I used to do that in, in the early days of our marriage. Yeah, yeah, people thought, oh, the wife of a speaker might be able to speak herself. So <laughs> I, I, I did do a few things then. So did you have a theology degree by osmosis then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> living with, um, yeah. Uh, the thing about living with Pete is um, everything that he preaches, he talks about first at home. Right. Everything he reads... Uh, we, we like to read in, in the morning, sort of first yep. thing. I, it takes me ages to get through my books because I read about half a page and then he starts telling me what he's reading and starts <laughs> talking about it. So it takes a long time for me to make any progress through any book I'm reading. So, uh, yes, so all, all of his thinking I, I, I share or I'm, I, I know what's going on yeah. in his head. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, that gives me access to a lot of... Um, Bible teaching and theology. And so I think this is why you like your um, job at the Good Book Company, because you get to shut the door, sit in your office and actually yeah. read a book yeah, yeah. without your husband interrupting you. <laughs> you worked out the secret <laughs> of my working life. Yes, yes. So what's been um, an influential book that you've read in the past couple of years that you've thought, oh, that's, that's a you know, really good book for the time? Off oh, For You series. I've really enjoyed. Actually, uh, yes, a, c a couple of those. They're written by a guy called Tim Chester. So they're written by all different authors. Mm. Tim Keller is one. And is this um, the For You series? Yes. Yep. So it, they're not commentaries as such. Mm. They're called expository guides. They go through every verse, but they don't expect you to know about the, the, the Greek or the Hebrew. You know, Tim Chester ones, the one on 1 Samuel and the one in Exodus actually, I, I just opened my eyes to all sorts of things in those books I'd never ever seen before. Yeah. And um, he is going to, uh, we are going to bring out for next Christmas um, some Advent devotionals mm -hmm. 
and this one is called The One True Story. Well, this one is based on the whole Bible. Right. <laughs> and it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Oh, that's good. Um, for families to do together? Is that the idea? Or more for adults to do leading up to I think Christmas? it's adults, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And I'm not sure it's aimed at children. But for seeing Jesus throughout the whole of the Bible. So we know from yeah. the end of Luke yeah. that, that all of the law and the prophets, they're all about Jesus, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he takes all of these, all of the themes, and there are so many of them in the Old Testament, and yeah. they run right right through to Revelation, yep. you know, and um, he just looks at a different one each day for 24 days or 25 days, and it's just fantastic. Oh, fabulous. Brilliant, yeah, yeah. so I, I really loved that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you a little bit about adopting your son? Yeah, sure. um, I'm guessing that was quite a long process and yes. quite difficult. <laughs> Longer um, than we imagined. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so when we were in Tasmania, I had investigations and discovered that I had secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. So I knew that um, you know, she was going to be an only child mm-hmm. and didn't really think much about it. So one of um, the students at the university at that time, she'd gone um, to China mm-hmm. and she came back and uh, said, just said to us, you know, have, have you ever thought about adopting a Chinese girl orphan so that just got us thinking and we put it on hold until we moved back to the UK and then we started to investigate Uh, we discovered that international adoption is extremely expensive in the UK Australia too yes yeah you have to pay for everything and because our house wasn't really adequate for another child we had to make the choice between paying for the international adoption or paying for the house to be extended mm. so we thought okay well, well we'll go for a British adoption because at that time there were 5,000 children a year that needed to be adopted and often many of them weren't able to be adopted mm. so we went through the whole process of uh, you know being approved which mm. took um, a fair amount of time mm. quite a lot of um, uh, quite sort of uh, personal mm. questions uh, we were all interviewed on our own Jerusha was interviewed on her own. And how old was uh, she then? She would have been about, uh, she was seven, yeah, about eight or nine, yeah. yeah. And then we got proved, and um, then we reached this situation which um, is very frustrating because um, in the UK at that time, it may have changed now, I'm not entirely up to date, but it, you don't join a queue, mm-hmm. you join a pool of people, right. you see. And so, um, when a child comes up that people are interested in, you apply and you might be in competition with a number of other people. And uh, they whittle it down until they, they, they have the, the couple that they think they want to proceed with. And um, of course you can go through this process many, many times. And, and never feel like you're getting closer. Yeah, no, no, you're not getting closer. You're not getting to the head of the queue. You're back to square one every time you apply. Oh. So you could do that for 20 years not actually oh, find a child. Exhausting. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So so that's a really difficult time. Mm. That, 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 mm. that was really difficult. So we said, no, we're going to give it one more time. Um, you know, mm. and Pete said, you know, this is too emotionally mm. harrowing, mm. particularly for our daughter. Uh, so we, we gave it one more time and uh, we applied for um, this child. I remember first seeing the pictures of him. He was four mm. in the photograph. Uh, we knew that he had a mixed um, parentage, so he's a quarter Jamaican. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a problem for our social worker mm-hmm. because she would have wanted to put him with mixed parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for his local authority, who were driving the adoption, it wasn't a problem, so that was okay. Mm-hmm. 
but they were very, very inefficient. Mm. Uh, it took a further two years. Oh, the poor boy. And we were just, I think, in the end, the only couple that were still waiting. Oh. Everybody else had just given up and gone somewhere else. Yeah. So, um, so that's really how we came <laughs> to end up with oh, Carl. Yeah. yeah, so he was just two days short of his sixth birthday when we first met him. And uh, half a week later, two days after his sixth birthday, he was living with us. Yeah, very very quick in the end. Mm. Yeah, and now he's he's definitely got a real sort of niche place in our family. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely got his, his slot. Yeah. Um, people love him. Yeah. Um, he's uh, never the, the real miracle actually is that um, you know he was he was an academic at school. Uh, things didn't come easily to him, any subject, um, it never came easily to him. But the one thing that he has always seemed to grasp without any problem is the gospel. Mm. You know, and that, that's been a real miracle. Mm. And so now he's a very committed Christian, he's been baptised, um, he, uh, he witnesses to his friends, you know, I don't know, they're not that sympathetic always and yeah. he doesn't seem to bother him he'll mm. just carry on anyway he's very sure about what he mm. thinks and what he believes and um, I think that's just been fantastic mm. yeah mm. So such an you know. answer to your prayers I'm yeah. sure for both your kids yeah yeah mm. well we might finish up there and thank you so much for sharing about your life and your work and um, some of the books that you've helped write um, thank you